Hello everybody and welcome to Can Medusa Make Pizza? I'm your host uh, Casey and we're going to go over a couple of mythical monsters today. Just wondering who would be the best to put in a stew? So why don't we jump into it? Because I do in fact have to go to the bathroom. I kind of want to get through this list quick. The first one we're going to do today is called the Carcadan. Now this Carcadan means rhinoceros in Persian and Arabic. Uh, it's like a unicorn in some ways, as it can be subdued by virgins. And this beast also is ferocious to other animals. A variation of multiple other names. Donkey with one horn, Lord of the Desert, or Sword Horn. So, you get in the picture so far. If not, let's move on. It's got the build of a buffalo with black scaly skin and a dewlap, which is that loose hanging gross skin under the neck. It's got three yellow hooves on each feet. I don't know evolutionarily what the benefit of that is, but that's fine. It's got short tails. Its eyes lie low, low down on the head, much further down the cheek than most animals. The top of a nose has a horn that's bent upwards. Um, which to me sounds a lot like it might be a rhino that has been missing, but that's fine. Its horn is said to have been endowed with, endowed, sorry, with medical qualities, much like a unicorn horn. Its horn is also linked to poison, so it can cure poison. Holding, just holding the horn can also relieve constipation, which is cool. Uh, good for soup and uh, can cure epilepsy, which uh, is just good in general. Uh, its horn also sweats when poison's present. So if you're a king and you're worried about maybe being poisoned, no worries. Just wave this thing about and you'll know and your food taster doesn't have to die a bunch. Could also be an antidote to the poison if the horn starts sweating, but man, that soup smells good. Um, the reason I'm putting this one on the list is because, um, who hasn't wanted to eat a rhino before? And to go a little bit further, who hasn't wanted to eat a unicorn? So put a bit of that in your soup and mm, delicious. That sounds great. Um, sometimes it has wings, but, uh, you know, if you want to throw a couple of rhino carcadan wings on the side it's great and it comes from the grassy plains of india and persia next on the list number four you could call it if you want is the aspidocalone uh, it's a greek word it's asp or aspis for shield and cologne cologne whatever for turtle so a shield turtle um, there's been lots of other large sea creatures, but, uh, this one's a turtle. It's actually a massive turtle, the size of an island. It's got giant ridges on its back, big spines that go up and down it to look like, uh, a to help it make it look like a rocky looking island. It's got its crevices and valleys. It's also got traces of greenery. It's got sand dunes as well, which not great in a soup. 
but all of that greenery is going to give you a couple extra vitamins and minerals. Uh, you need veggies in your soup or stew. So that's good. It, um, so what this, this boy does is he'll rise to the surface and just float about looking like a big island. And sailors are going to find their way onto it and just have a nice respite. Just chill after a long, uh, a long journey. So what would happen is the sailors would light a campfire and the, this big turtle, this Aspidocalone would not be happy with that. So he would dive underwater, uh, sucking down all the semen and uh, killing them, getting rid of their ships, loot, making sure there was no trace of them. So that's great. It also emits a sweet smell to lure in fish. So in addition to maybe having some fish in your soup, because, I mean, we are cutting this boy up and uh, putting him in a soup. Who hasn't wanted turtle soup before? Sounds delicious. Hard to find. But it's going to have a sweet smell. Some extra fish. Maybe little crabs crawling around the island. It's just going to add a nice, nice taste. Okay. Oh, plus, we can't forget, you're going to have that big shell. What does a stew need but a bowl? We've already got it there. Plus seawater. You want salty water in your soup anyways. It gives it an extra bit of flavor. The next creatures we have are the goats of Thor. And I will be pronouncing these wrong for sure. Tangrisnir and Tangnostrr or Teeth Bearer and Teeth Grinder. These two fellows pull Thor and his companions across the sky through the nine worlds on his chariot. Yes, he does have goats pulling his chariot, which is pretty cool. Um, his chariot will spark with lightning and erupt thunder from the wheels, which can be seen from far, far away. As you might know, if you've seen lightning before, that is actually... Um, a chariot being pulled by some goats. Cool stuff. Uh, a story tells of Thor and Loki stopping at a farm and in Midgard, which is where we live, uh, just to stay a knife, but the poor family can't really afford to feed Thor because he's been known to eat an entire oxen in just one go. They don't have this. So Thor, being the god of the people, which he was, people love Thor. He offers his ghosts as food as long as they promise, and they gotta promise, not to break or scratch the bones, um, or else he'll be mad. And so they cut up these goats, put it in the stew, and the next morning they throw the bones in their skins, and then bingo bango, the goats are back. There's something good about this. There is a thing called a perpetual stew where you continue to keep the, the stew cooking, keep it hot. And if you got meat that just keeps going, this meat just won't quit. You can keep adding meat to your stew, basically eat forever. And if we're using a massive mountain sized turtle as the bowl, it's going to feed a lot of people. So that's great. Here's the thing, though. Loki, famous trickster god of Norse mythology, tricked one of the boys 
into breaking the bones to drink out that sweet, sweet marrow. Um, obviously, this boy was an idiot and didn't listen to uh, Big God with Big Hammer. So he broke the bone and he did it. So the next morning when Thor revived his goats, Tengrisnir and Tengnostr, um, one of them had a limp and he said, which one of you fools broke a bone? So as punishment, the boy and his sister now had to become servants to Thor. Uh, maybe not terrible, you know, go from peasant farmer kid to a servant to a god. Maybe not in the best way. Seems, you know, seems a bit rough for his parents to just be like, yep, you broke a bone. Um, and why didn't Thor just immediately assume it was a Loki trick? That's fine. But uh, goats, also good for milk. So if you want a nice creamy base to your stew, you do have it. You got it there. It's going to be delicious. Now, let's move on to the phoenix. All right. So this big old bird is going to enter the mortal world as it flew west from paradise to the spice groves of Arabia to collect the finest, the, the most delicious herbs and spices, especially cinnamon. It loves cinnamon. Not sure why cinnamon. Maybe it was really important. But it would build its nest out of these things in Phoenicia. The bird would sing a haunting melody uh, in the morning, and when it finished this song, the sun god's chariot would rise in the sky um, and cause a spark to fall from the sky, igniting the nest, and the bird would... Pff. We've all seen the phoenix rise from the ashes motif everywhere. But what we haven't probably known is that there's going to be a little worm left over. Okay? Um, so this worm is what would actually turn into another phoenix and begin its thousand-year cycle. Um, as this bird got bigger, it would carry its parents' its ashes to Heliopolis, the city of the sun. Makes sense. And then it would return to paradise until its cycle were to uh, start over. Um, the bird would actually make a cremation egg out of myrrh to place the ashes of its parents inside, leave that on top of an altar to uh, Ra, the sun god. Um, they're described as typically being red and orange, possibly purple. Its eyes are yellow, like, or either yellow or like two shining sapphires. So yellow or blue, I guess. Um, seems to be pretty large. Um, it never died before 500 years old, but could live up to 1,461 years old, which is very specific, which makes me think there had to have certainly been one that they tracked his age. Um, so that's cool. It's also good luck to spot one of these guys flying around. So, hey, if you're killing it and making a stew... Uh, from this beautiful mythical creature. Probably not a bad idea to have a little bit of good luck on your side. It did have regenerative powers. It was invincible and immortal. But I think if we're really looking to make a Gordon Ramsay approved soup, we're going we're gonna to find a way to get this in there. All right. That I have confidence in. 
Um, the tears also had regenerative powers, which, if it knows, it might. It seems like it might be a pretty smart bird. If it knows it's going to be stew, well, it might shed a few tears in there. It's not terrible. Um, although some legends say it's impossible to lie near a phoenix, so your wording's going to have to be really careful when you convince it to uh, sit over top of this big old turtle shell bowl filled with uh, lots of dead mythical creatures but whatever it did consume frankincense and a lot of aromatic gums we're just adding so many spices so much delicious flavor to the stew it's going to be amazing it's going to be delicious there's lots of similar creatures uh similar to the phoenix the benu in egypt the milcham in in uh, jewish cultures the Garuda in Hindu, Thunderbird in Native American, the Firebird in Slavic. These are all big birds that would be delicious in a stew. But I picked this one specifically because um, it has those flavors we've mentioned earlier. And now number five, or number one, I guess. So last but not least, uh, from Central Asia is the Vegetable Lamb of Tartary. Um, this is something called a zoophyte, which is an organism that's an intermediate between plant and animals, which you don't see too much. Um, you might have heard of a few of these, maybe the mandrake, but uh, they're not too common. Um, but what this thing, this little plant would do, it would grow sheep as its fruit. So you think, think of a pumpkin, all right, if you're not fully understanding Pumpkins grow, they got that cord attached to the plant. This is the same thing, except for a pumpkin, it is a lamb, and instead of a vine, it is actually an umbilical cord. Um, the reason I'm putting this one is in is because I know there's lots of vegetarians out there. I myself am one of them, and I feel like this is a fair trade-off. It is technically a vegetable, if you ask me. So... If we want to skip all the other meats, if we're not happy with it, this is a way to go. It's blood, which, as we've established, is actually just plant. It's supposed to taste like sweet honey. All right, so that's pretty good. It's wool, which we won't be eating, but it's important to know. It was used by the natives to make lots of head coverings and clothings. Uh, other than humans, the only wolves were attracted to the lamb, so... I guess there are some vegetarian wolves out there, which is uh, nice to know that they're kind of stepping up. Yeah. Um, so the vegetable lamb of Tartary would uh, graze around its plant, and when the plants around that plant died, because it did eat plant, so kind of a cannibal, I guess, if you think about it, plant eating plants. When all of it around it died, it died as well. So only natural to turn it into a stew. All right. And that is the top five creatures to put in a mythical stew. I hope you've learned a very little bit. Um, I will be putting all of the creatures in the episode show notes so you can look into it more. I don't plan on droning on for hours about each one of these, but if any of these sound interesting, I'll put them down and you can check them out later. Um, if you want, Feel free to leave five stars, and if you put a suggestion of a list you would like me to do about some mythical thing, could be anything, 
I will either do it or consider doing it if it's dumb. Um, thanks, and enjoy the rest of your evening.